welcome to the full cup we are glad you're here today with us listening tuning in i am sitting here today with my dad craig hi dad oh hi hi Libby. hi he's just, he's just looking out the window um today we're just going to get down to it we are talking about children uh i think I mean, there's a lot of areas to cover with children. I think everything we learn in every episode kind of we can use with our children. Possibly about a third of the people I see are parents coming in to deal with their children and and the struggles that they're having with their children and how they deal with it. And uh, some of the things I've talked about this before, but I'm going to be a little bit more specific about it today if you fill up to it. Okay. I'm I'm probably going to pick on you, Libby. Well, there's no one else here, so that's what I'm used to. That's right. So should we go? Should we go ahead and get started? Yeah. All right. Uh, recently, and and this has happened twenty years ago, and it happened again just a couple of weeks ago when a a mother of a child said, "You know, my children are driving me crazy. Uh, I get so upset about it. How am I going to deal with this? Uh, sometimes I don't even like my kids." And I started laughing, <laughs> and she said, "You're laughing at me." I said, "Well." All of us have moments where we can't stand our kids when they're driving us crazy until we learn to get free from them in the same way that we got free from our parents. And she said, what, what, what do you mean getting free from parents? Well, <clears throat> this is a woman that I've been seeing. She and her husband uh, about a year and a half ago started seeing me for marital problems. And as I told, I think, her and many people over the years that Instead of starting with the couple's work, let's learn how to get emancipated from our parents, where we can actually be free enough from our mom and dad, where I don't let my mom and dad stuff irritate me anymore. And now I can love my mom and dad more than I've ever loved them because I finally got free from them. It's- yeah, that's a that's something you do. When people come in with marriage problems, you start with parents. And a lot of times they want to, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? I, I have a friend who said this. she's like, I was so confused. Why are we talking about my parents? And then she was like, wow. Okay. I get it. So, because if you've then created that neural pathway in your brain of agency or emotional independence, and you finally emancipated from your parents and all of the dumb things that your parents have done, you've gotten free from that and how you get free from anything is you turn the difficulties, the problems that our parents put us through, we turn them to wisdom. Then we have gratitude for the wisdom we learn from all the crap our parents put us through, and we can love our parents more than ever. And when they do their stuff, we kind of giggle and say, no, that's my mom. She does goofy stuff once in a while, kind of like you do with me. (laughs) No, that's my dad. He's told me that story a thousand times. I'm sick and tired of hearing it. But you laugh about it, and you still love me because you're not going to let those irritating things bother you anymore. Most of us think, well, if my mother would stop that, or if my dad would stop that, or if my husband would stop that, then I'd feel a lot better. And how many do this with their children? Well, if my children would stop this, I wouldn't be so irritated. Why does he scream at me? Why does he spit? Why does he tell me he hates my guts? Why is he so upset with me? What is wrong with my child? And it's the same process that we've talked about in the very beginning, how to get emancipated from the family of orientation. That doesn't happen in the first few years because in the first few years, children need to be cared for. When you cry, excuse me, when they cry, you help them. That's a child. So you run to them and let me help you. 
And so children early on, oh, the best way I can control my mother is cry or scream or rant and rave. Mm -hmm. Because as we talked about way back, controlling and loving are the same thing. Do you remember when I was a child and my dad would say, Craig, eat your vegetables? Right. I'm just telling you that because I love you. Yes. Let's drop it to my level. Then to prove my love, what should I do? What your dad says. I ate the vegetables. That's the way I was trained. And I did the same thing towards my parents. If you'll eat the vegetables, that's how I feel loved by you. So yeah. I will try to control my mom and my dad. And if I can get them to roll their eyes or be angry or be frustrated, I have the power, which means I have the power, which means you value me and you listen to me and you therefore love me because you're eating the vegetables. So you love me. So kids will feel loved when they know they can irritate their parents. Basically. Yeah, they feel like I'm important. I have value because look, you rolled your eyes. You got angry with me. Ah, I have the power. And for me to give me that power means I must have value to you. To you give me that power. Okay. So all of us are raised in stage one, but there comes a point in our lives when we need to say to our child, just like we did to our parents, I really do love you, but I'm not going to succumb to your screaming, your temper tantrums or whatever. Now I'm going to back up and tell you this story. This was, a few months ago, a woman came to see me. <clears throat> She's got a six-year-old little boy. And she says, sometimes my son drives me crazy. I don't want even to be around him. And I said, now, do you remember when we talked a year ago, getting free from your mom? Yes. And did you finally get free from your mom? I mean, not just red free, like I'm free. I'm not going to let her affect me anymore. It's truly I'm free. I'm not going to let my mom's stuff hurt me anymore. And I can now love my mom more than ever. It's the same process with your children. Your crap, your temper tantrums, your nastiness is not going to let it affect me. I'm going to be in charge of what I think and feel. And I'm not going to let your ranting and raving affect me. So if you're okay, Libby, we're going to go to work on this and demonstrate this. Okay. Is that okay? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So we're going to pick one of your children. Let, let's go with, uh, with Scout, Scout right now. Yeah, okay. Right. Great. He's, he's perfect <laughs> at the age. I'm going to drive you crazy, Bob. So you'll pay attention. So I'd like you to just imagine that Scout's sitting here. Okay. Just so you know, Scout is four years old. He is the youngest and he is the light of my life and very hard. Okay. <laughs> Life, but he could be hard. All of them. Do you remember we've, we call two the, the two-year-old terrible twos, mm -hmm. and then it cleans up about three, but at four, it's a repeat of the terrible twos again. So just plan because <laughs> okay. now they could talk and they could yell at you and tell you what they think. And they say, I hate your guts, or you're not going to do that. You're doing this wrong, mom. Or they, they come up with all right. these words to really frazzled moms and dads. So what I'm going to have you do, the same process that we talked about a long time ago, I'd like you to first say, Scout, you're my son, you're and I'm your mother. Scout, you're my son, and I'm your mother. That's the first step, the recognition of the relationship. The second step, Scout, I love you more than life itself. Scout, I love you more than life itself. And even though I may not feel it always. Even though I may not always feel it. <laughs> because of the way you are sometimes. Because of the way you are. I truly trust that you love me. I trust that you love me. And please know this, everybody. Our children do love us. But they may figure out a way of loving you where they can still manipulate you. 
All right. So the second is I love you. You love me. Okay. All right. Now, number three. But Scout, sometimes you drive me crazy. But sometimes you drive me crazy. When you scream at me. When you scream when you at throw me a temper and tantrum, throw a tantrum. That really messes with that me. That messes with me. Now, number four. But I'm not going to let your goofy stuff mess with me anymore. But I'm not going to let your goofy stuff mess with me anymore. I'm not going to succumb to you anymore. I'm not going to succumb to you anymore. Okay. Did you hear what you just said? Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to pretend to be Scout. Mm. You're four. Mm. Scout, you're four. Can you still make your mom crazy? Yes, he does not believe me. <laughs> and this woman a couple of weeks ago was saying she started crying. She said, but he's still going to drive me crazy. I said, but who should be in charge of what you think and what you feel? A four-year-old, in that case, a six-year-old? I think six-year-old's five or six. Uh, or the adult, the 40-year-old the woman. Who should be in charge of what she thinks? The mother or the child? The mother. But how many of us are still being affected by our children and controlled and made crazy and all kinds of things until we learn to do the same thing we first did in our emancipatory process with our parents, then our spouses, and now our children? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have you say it again, and this time see if you can really mean it, okay? Okay. I'd like to tell you, Scout, I'm not going to let your purple crap... Now, let, let's back up. I call all pathology, temper tantrum, screaming, rant, rave, I hate your guts, whatever little kids do. <laughs> Let's talk about 50-year-old children, because oftentimes I see 75-year-old mothers coming in having to get free from their 50-year-old son or 50-year-old yes. daughter because they're still captive to all the things their 50-year-old son does. And, the, and who runs the mother's life at 75? The 50-year-old son or the 50-year-old daughter, because mom is not yet... They, become personally empowered. So this can happen with a five-year-old and how much better if you reestablish your own power in your life. And then let's go here for a minute. What does that then teach children? I can't control my mother by being rare anymore. And that teaches your child when they go off to elementary school, when they go to junior high, when they go to high school, they've learned when people are mean to them or scream at or yell, they go, yeah. You know, I learned from my mother, I'm not going to let your cat mess with me. And I can still love you, and I can still be your friend. So by doing it ourselves, we teach our children to learn how to become personally empowered and learn emotional independence at a very young age. Making sense? Yes. Have I made the full circle now? Yes. So, so we were we were still talking. You were, we're having get me back go to back to yeah. Scout. Okay. And I'll just go off on a tangent here because yeah. I was raised by you uh, i mean it changed as i got older you and mom both learning and growing and being very emotional independent and i feel like i have for the most part grown up really trying my best and doing a pretty good job of being that way emotionally pretty independent. pretty good job and so i was put to the test on saturday <laughs> when this guy I was parking my car at a soccer game and I parked too close to a car and I knew I did but I went and ran and my stuff to the field and then I came back and adjusted my car and as I was getting out of my car this guy came up to me and he was just screaming in my face and swearing at me and just like are you the biggest idiot who would park like that are you freaking kidding me you're such a blah, blah, blah. And I, I just stood there and I 
looked at him and I was like, are you talking to me? And he was like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Are you serious? And I am so grateful. My initial reaction was to just be like, oh, I am so sorry. I'm sorry I parked so close to your car and upset you so much. Oh my gosh, let me take a look. Do you need me to move my car? Well, no, not now. It's fine now. Oh, okay. Why are you screaming at me then? Because you're a jackass. Who parks their car like that? I told you I am sorry. I apologize. What more do you want from me? I want you to park further away. And he points like to a faraway spot. And I I just was like, okay, I'm sorry. You're right. I should work on being a better person. Like, so anyway, I walked away from that and I was like, okay, what is my body doing right now? Am I going to break down because this guy put me down and I'm going to believe what he said and I'm going to let him tell me who I am and that I'm an idiot and that I messed up and that blah, 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 and, and let him control my thoughts or am I going to be like, okay, yeah, I could have parked farther away. I could take that into account. So I walked away and I just kept thinking, did I do the right thing? I didn't scream back at him, which I I kind of wanted to, but I also just wanted to be logical. Like I just wanted to simmer down and get to the point. Like, let's fix this. If there's a problem, I'm sorry. What can I do? Let's make this better because you can feed into that drama and chaos and purple and it will just escalate and get worse and worse. And I saw my dad do that as a kid sometimes with people who flipped me off in the car behind me. (laughs) Do you remember that? I remember very well. Let let me just add to this story. I'm getting better, you know. I'm 75 years of age. I'm learning the white way of protecting myself, which are white, spiritual, good ways of being free. Agency, love, not letting things mess with me. But the part of me that's still red, remember, the physical DTs Uh that we protect ourselves, the animal I want to fight. So when you called and told mom, I'm putting my pants on and I'm driving to Logan because I can handle if somebody hurts me. Yeah. But don't hurt my child. And for a moment, I was so angry. I went to my red and I'm going to drive up and have that chat like, you know, I used to have chats with people because I know that language (laughs) better than anybody in Utah. You know, (laughs) and then after a few minutes, I started laughing and I moved over to the white. The, The way to protect ourselves is with logic. I can, I'll listen to it. I can hear it, but I'm not going to ever let him define me. And Libby, don't let this Jack they mess with me. <laughs> uh, and, and that's what you're doing. So what you're telling me is exactly what I'm encouraging to do with your child that you love. I'm not going to let my child's temper, tantrum, whatever they're doing, that's not going to mess with me either. Who's going to be in charge of what you think? That day up in Logan at the soccer game, that guy was screaming, being a complete jerk, demonstrating, let the whole world dictate to you what you think and feel, and let's still yell at people and tell them off. And for a moment, you were hurting, and it was messing with you. You wanted to stick your finger down his throat and rip his tongue out, or whatever you wanted to do, but you didn't. You finally moved to, no, I'm not going to let this mess with me. 
this is the task of this life. If we've learned to do it with our parents, you can even love the SOB. You can, you can feel sorry for him and look at him and, you know, you don't have to say this out loud, but you can say, I'm sorry, kids, that your dad is this kind of person that teaches your you children how to never be personally responsible and go crazy on somebody. That's what he's doing, but you didn't. And that means you're moving into that stage of agency. If you don't like that term, it's emotional independence instead of emotional dependence. Remember, emotional dependency, that car misses me, Matt. those kids make me angry, that child, make, my wife makes me angry, my spouse makes me angry. Emotional independence is, I'm not going to let that mess with me. I'll, I'll listen to it because maybe I need to let it affect me enough to do something. If my kid's running for the street, I, I don't have to go crazy. Oh, he's running in the street. Right, right. I can run. Stay out of the street, Junior. Come on. Right. And and that that's it's a fine line when you raise your children because it's not ignore them. I don't care what you do. It's not going to affect me at all. It's sometimes that's the best. They're going to go throw a temper tantrum. Goodbye. I'm going to go, I'm going to go in the bathroom and lock the door. You stand out here and throw your temper, temper tantrum for an hour. It's not going to work. But what it's demonstrating to the children, my being rude and crazy and nasty isn't going to have an effect on my mommy anymore. Oh, but what will, what will you respond to? Nasty, crazy temperament that he's learned early on in his life because when he was a baby, he'd go, you go pick him up. We're all raised that way. You can't just leave them there. You have to go pick them up. So they've been taught, if I scream, if I cry, I still have power over you. Well, eventually, as they get a little bit older, they get into three, four, five, they can learn, that doesn't work on me anymore. I'll check on you. You're okay. Okay, you're okay. Now I'm not going to fix it. And what you brought up also is there's such a fine line. When do you, when are you there to rescue them? And when do you let them stand by themselves? Very difficult. It's the art of parenting. But to be the artist and how, how much to step in and how much not to step in. But one of the best things, if you possibly can do, you still reassure them always, I still love you. I'll never withdraw my love, but I'm not eating those vegetables. I'm not succumbing to you. I still love you. But because you're being a little twit, I'm not. that's not going to work on me. Would you say that to them? I think or you, this is all in your head? Like you if your kid is hard and throwing a tantrum and you would say, hey, you can throw that tantrum. I'm going to go upstairs. I still love you. But I'm going to ignore you right now. And when you're done with your <laughs> tantrum, come on upstairs. Yeah. And do you remember the old house that we used to live in, the blue room? Mm-hmm. And you'd throw a temper tantrum. And i say, you got to go in the blue room. And I'd close the door. Okay, throw your temper tantrum. I'm going over here. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I remember, I think it was you or Sarah came up to me and said, Dad, I need to go in the blue room. <laughs> I said, you need to go in the blue room. I'm so upset. I need to yell and cry. And I said, well, do you want me to come in with you? No, I'll be okay. So I opened the door. She went in the blue room and had herself a good cry. Was that you? That's probably Sarah. That's okay. Something. Had a cry. And she yelled <laughs> in a few minutes. And then a few minutes later, it came out. And I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, I'm okay. I feel better now. <laughs> oh, so children can learn early on how to be responsible for their feelings, especially when the mother demonstrates that. But as we started, we started with Scout. Let's go back there. Okay, okay. okay. I'd like you to tell him again. Scout, I'm, we're, we're going to jump to the fourth step. 
I'm not going to let your purple stuff make me crazy anymore. I'm not going to let your purple stuff make me crazy anymore. I'll still love you. I'll still love you. You're you're the light of my life. You're the light of my life. But I'm not succumbing to your nasty stuff. But I'm not succumbing to your nasty stuff. That's not going to work anymore. That's not going to work anymore. On me. On me. If you're hurting. If you're hurting. I'll beware a little bit. I'll be aware a little bit. But I'm not. Going to let it make me crazy. But I'm not going to let it make me crazy. Okay, now like you to switch, move over this far. Okay. Now your name is now Scout. Hi, Scout. Hi. Did you hear what mom just said? Yeah. Don't you think you can still make mom crazy? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Come on back. Okay. Did you hear what he said? Yeah. Okay, I'd like you to tell him again. Scout, I do love you. I love you, Scout. But I'm not gonna let you make me crazy but anymore. I'm not letting you make me crazy anymore. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Now be Scout. This is Gestalt therapy, okay? You're now Scout. Okay. Scout, did you hear what your mom said? That's the fourth time now. What do you think? You get nervous? You feel like you're going to... Yeah, because if I ask my mom something three times, she always caves. So yeah. okay. we're on the fourth time. The fourth. Oh, she's getting stronger. <laughs> okay. Now I'd like to ask you this, Scout. Are you getting scared that you might be losing mom a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So you'll tell her, say, I'll crank it up. I'll crank it up, Mom. You've seen a temper tantrum. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'll crank it up 10,000. I'll crank it up 10,000. And I know you'll cave in. And I know you'll cave in. I'll go through a hammer through the TV. Oh, please don't. Do uh, that. These are stories. I'll throw a hammer these are people the I've seen. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to jump off the roof and break my arm. I'm going to jump off the roof and break my arm. If you don't rescue me. If you don't rescue me. Sometimes kids will crank it up because once again, I need you to succumb to me because then I feel you valued. So you reassure your child, you still have value. I still love you very, very much. But your crap isn't going to work on me. So I'd like you to tell him the fourth or fifth time. Okay. I, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love I'll you. I'll reassure you that I love you. you. But that goofy stuff, but that goofy stuff isn't going to get a raised eyebrow. It's not going to get a raised eyebrow. I'm not succumbing to it anymore, Scott. I'm not succumbing to I it anymore. I will love you. I love you. But dysfunctional behavior. But dysfunctional behavior. What grandpa calls purple stuff. What grandpa calls purple. I call all purple pathology. That stuff's not going to make me crazy anymore. It's not going to make me crazy anymore. All right. Now switch. Turn around. Now you're Scout again. Scout. Yeah. Did you hear what your mom just said? Yeah. You getting nervous? Yeah. Well, I, I think he believe I, I believe my mom. Wow. Now let me ask you this, Scout. I know you're only four, but I believe this is in every human being. It's called agency. You don't have to subscribe to this, Scout, but just be Scout for best. Do you think that you actually respect your mom a little bit more now that your crap isn't going to work anymore on her? Yeah. And then you may figure out in life that your crap may affect some people, but hopefully you'll learn white behavior, good behavior, mom will respond to, won't she? Yes. So do you think your purple's still going to be able to get her? No. So if we as parents can do this with our children, can this help them effectively be more healthy and not have to engage in some of the crazy stuff we have to go, go to to get our parents to respond to us? Yes, ex ex absolutely. And it will help you just in relationships with everyone and anyone, like the jerk at the 
I mean, I'm free from him. That lovely man at the soccer game. Read, read uh, Jay Haley's The Art of Schizophrenia that he wrote back in the 70s. You'll, you'll understand this is how we develop pathology in children is never responding to anything that's appropriate except when they're crazy and goofy. And when they're crazy and goofy, they have to crank it up because they'll finally respond. But as parents, if we respond to appropriate, healthy behavior, they learn, oh, when I'm kind, when I'm responsive, when I'm doing things appropriately, my mom pays attention to me. Wow, my dad does too. When I'm at school, the same thing happens. But a lot of kids grow up, I get no attention unless I go crazy. You remember those eight years that I did child protection? Should we talk about some of the kids? One day, I took a kid out of a home. He was a seven-year-old. He had been abused quite severely. He had seven fractures, different stages of healing. Mother and father never paid any attention to him, and thus he acted up. We put him in a foster home, and a few weeks later, the, parent, the foster parents were doing a wonderful job caring for him, got him a room, got him toys, involving him with the family, but they never screamed at him, they never yelled at him, they never beat him. They were actually trying to be very responsive, but he didn't know what that meant. So one day, he takes, they bought a brand new ha- uh, television. He picks up a hammer and throws it through the front of the television. The, the, the foster father comes, what did you do? He says, I threw the effing blankety-blank hammer through your effing TV, boom, boom. And the foster father whirled up and backhanded him and knocked the kid on the floor. And then the kid's like, okay, now you love me. Yeah. Now I'm valuable oh, here. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can stay here. He called me crying. The father, I can't believe I struck this kid. I tried with him. I said, this is what his nurturance is. He's been trained for the first seven years of his life that those kinds of abusive kinds of things work. Now, going back to the lady I started to tell you, she, a couple of weeks later, called and said, this has changed. He's different. The first couple of days, he was worse than he's ever been. Yeah, because he's got to crank it up, remember? Those are the best behaviors he can engage in. That gets him the greatest power. And I'd fall apart, and I'd cry, and I'd say, my son doesn't love me. What am I going to do? I thought, I don't even want him anymore. I'd tell my my husband, you need to take him. I can't handle him. He's driving me crazy. Oh, I hate that kid. And crying, because she obviously does love the child, and the child obviously loves the mother. But what they had learned those first few years is, if I cry, you run to rescue me. Now, we have to do that. You cannot, when they cry, when they're hurting, you rescue them, you help them, you lift them. But soon early, some people say not as early as three. I think you can do it earlier than that even. But you're always reassuring that you love them. You're always holding them. You're always letting them know how important they are to you. And when they show dysfunctional, crazy behavior, which they will test the limits, if you can get it done when they're four, five, six, that's great, but get ready till they hit adolescence until they're 50. Like I told you earlier, you're about the 75 year old woman who's got a 50 year old son living in her home with his 15 year old son. And who's running the household, the 75 year old mother who owns the home and has the income, or was it the 50 year old son and the 15 year old son who is running grandma in down the hole? Well, it took a while. She learned to become empowered, and then the 50-year-old, they said, well, I'll show you. I'll move out, and I'll take my son. And she said, well, I'm sorry, but if that's what you need to do. The 15-year-old moved back and said, can I come back, Grandma? I'll do everything you tell me to do. The 50-year-old about a year later called me and said, 
will you like write a letter of recommendation for me? I've applied for a job and, and, and I was wondering if you would write it for me. I said, he changed. He's, he's not living with his mother anymore, but he's much more responsive and kind because awful behavior doesn't work with his mother anymore. He's 50 years of age and he's still using awful to control people. Yeah. There are a lot of people who do that. I'm sure there are plenty, plenty of people who have done that. So that's that point. I I wanted to talk about another one, though, and this is something that uh, has happened a lot. Uh, I'm going to tell a story that happened years ago. A grandmother came to see me, and she's very distraught because occasionally her daughter will come to the house with their new baby. And uh, the new baby uh, won't stop crying, is irritated by everything. And also, uh, the baby has some kind of allergy. Well, what does a new mother feel when she finds out her new baby has a serious allergy? Does she get kind of panicky about raising, especially the first child? Hmm. Let me think. <laughs> not yet. You went through some. Are this. you talking about me? <laughs> no, I'm not. But we can. No, but I'm going to talk about this. Yeah, one. yeah. They seem <laughs> and very she says, worried. "My daughter gets so angry with me if I pick him up. I, I, I gave him a little taste of something, and she flew off and went crazy. And her husband and my daughter said, "I'm not going. We're not going to let you see the baby anymore." Because they're so anxious, it's their new child, worried, irritated about everything, so costly. Oh no! What about this? What about that? What about scared to death about raising this sick little new baby that by this time is about a year? Okay, mm-hmm. and mom's trying to be kind and loving, but you know, the mother's had six kids and grandkids and all kinds of stuff, but this daughter is just falling apart. Well, I, I said to her, do you remember the wire? We've talked about mm-hmm. the wire, okay? Yeah. We have a wire to our children. If our child hurt, we hurt. If they hurt, it runs to the parent to the child. And if, after a few years, it can even hook up a wire to your spouse. When your spouse hurts, even, it even bothers you. But it comes naturally to our children, even adopted children, foster children. Oftentimes, adopted parents don't hook up a wire because they don't know how to hook up a wire. They try so hard to be the parent, but they've still never hooked up the wire to the mm-hmm. child. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that another day if we need to again. But I said to her, I said, well, do you think it's possible that maybe the reason the child is so easily irritated and agitated, you just told me that your daughter is so agitated, so irritated, and her husband, they're so uptight with everything. Let's talk about when she was pregnant. Did she go through pregnancy and say, nah, I'm having a baby, no big deal, we're going to have it. Or is she going, oh, no, I'm going to have a baby, oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, what are we gonna... How is the mother feeling? Agitated and nervous, upset. Everything's upsetting. Oh, no. Could that possibly be affecting the baby even when it was inside the mother? And now that the baby's born, that anything that mom does, she goes, bah! and what does the child go? Yeah. She's been trained this way. She had a talk with her daughter. Her daughter got angry with her. She prayed about it, talked with her again. The second time she said, maybe I need to take a look at that. Maybe I need to calm down with myself as a mother. Maybe I need to calm down with my husband. 
maybe I need to calm down that maybe my mother, this baby's grandmother really is pretty good at raising mothers and could relax a little raising bit. Raising children. Yeah. What did I say? Raising mothers. Yeah. Well, okay. Children, <laughs> children, grandchildren. And she did. And within a couple of months, well, there was, I don't, she came back in a couple of months and said, I don't need to be coming back. Everything's fine. Why? My daughter's relaxed. She's learned. She, she, she trusts that God's with them and that you know, the child is God's kid and he's going to help us. And she relaxed. It's amazing when we as parents can learn those processes of being calm, of learning to protect ourselves with the white DTs instead of the red DTs. Uh, it, it affects ourselves. It affects our children. But because we have a wire to our children, we can teach them to do the same thing. So to, uh, in, in the words of my wonderful wife, your mother, mm-hmm. oftentimes she said, Craig, you just uh, need to reforking lax. <laughs> <laughs> That is absolutely right. <laughs> That's my wife's famous. She doesn't say she doesn't need to say it too much anymore. But back when I was in my thirties and forties, she would say a lot, Craig. Just reforking lax. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny story, but uh, and I've I've learned to relax a little bit. Yeah, more. I think. Yeah. So. That's, good That's what I wanted to tell you about children. Okay, so I have a question from a listener on Instagram that kind of goes along with this topic of today. I'm a fairly new listener, currently on episode nine. My question is early on, Craig talks about how it's okay for parents to have their hands all over their kids' steering wheel. What if your issue is that your parents started taking their hands off of your steering wheel way too early and you were left feeling unprotected and neglected? How so? It sounds like her parents not only got free from her, but kind of just didn't care about her, right? And you want to teach children how to be filled with anxiety? That's what you do. The art of parenthood is knowing how many hands you put onto their steering wheel, and when do you start letting go? If you if they're not ready, and you take the hands off the steering wheel, and they don't have the skill to do it, they drop into anxiety. They have self esteem issues. All kinds of things suffer. It's the art of parenting. I wish I could tell you this is exactly the way. That's why if you're close to your children and you see them grow, you can pray about it. You can talk to them and learn. I'm going to let them figure this one out on their own. Okay. So, but if you are that child. So who felt, so she says, feeling unprotected and neglected, how do you reconcile that? I am almost 44 years old and those feelings of abandonment still rear their ugly head for me from time to time. Well, let's go there for a minute. This is something we do every day. And I don't know if we spend a lot of time in this, in this uh, radio things of what I do in my work, but uh, we'll call her Sally. I'd like you, Sally, for just a minute. I'd like you to go see you when you were that little girl and they took their hands off the steering wheel and basically abandoned you and you were scared to death and didn't know what to do, okay? okay. Picture you there. Go back to that time. You're at your school, you're at home in your bedroom. Maybe they left and they've gone for a couple of days and you're only 10 or maybe, I don't know what's happened, but I'd like you to go find that little girl that's scared and hurting. And as a 44-year-old, I'd like you to put you, we'll call you Sally, Sally, 44, I want you to go to the bedroom of that 10-year-old little girl at 44, scared, who has been left with all this responsibility. I'd like you to walk into the room. 
and I'd like you to sit on the edge of the bed and I want you to pull her up and give her a hug and tell her, little Sally, I'm going to love you and take care of you from now on. <laughs> That's um, so sad. I will never leave you, little Sally. I'm going to help you get through this and you can help me. And then the other thing that I really encourage people to do, I'd like you to say this to her, if you have this belief, if not, create it. Say, I have somebody outside the door I'd like you to meet. And I'd like you to say, Sally, JC, will you come in here? And Jesus Christ walks in the room. And as he walks in, he says, Sally Chug. And Sally at 44 and Jesus Christ pick up little 10-year-old Sally and hug her between the two of you. And Jesus Christ kisses her cheek and says, I will never, ever leave you. I will never, ever stop loving you. Sometimes you have to go. It may seem like you're going your own, but I'll be there. And I will love you and I'll walk with you. Now, let me ask you, Sally. You'll have to answer for her, Libby. How's the little 10-year-old feeling right now in that picture? Pretty warm. Okay. So let's go. That's one. What I do is I give people an assignment. I'd like you to find every little Sally every day for the rest of your life. Who has to rescue little Sally? I do. That's right. Sally does. And having a supreme being who loves her no matter what. Now, I, I want to caution on bringing in your Savior. Once again, this is a study done, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago at UCLA where they looked at faith-based therapies. And they wanted to know if you go to a religious therapist of your religion or a non-religious therapist who works more effectively, and they found there's really no difference. But what they did find in this work is that our perception of our supreme being comes to us usually from our earliest authoritative figure. Our mother, our father, usually the father, but it can be mother, father, it can be a, a yeah. priest. So the father's bishop. not around. Or the mom and dad are not there to rescue you. You may not believe that God's going to be there to rescue either. So you have to decide and you have to create this yourself. Sometimes that word, I call it neurological stacking anchors. What have the theologians called it for 5,000 years? Faith. Thank you very much. That's what it is. <laughs> Developing a faith in your supreme being who loves you forever, will never stop loving you, is one of the most powerful tools you can ever use. And so all of you who have historical lenses of being left alone or abused or overcared for, they did too much. And now you get out on your world and mom did everything. I don't know even how to do anything now without my mom and dad because they did everything for me. So that's why I say the, the art, you do just enough and not enough. And we find both sides. People have everything done to see them. They come in at 25. They don't have to ask their husband, what are we going to do this? What should I fix for dinner? What should I do? Or on the opposite, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I, I don't know how to take responsibility. It's that fine line between how much you help and how much you don't. And we're going to talk extensively uh, either the next or the visit after that on the thing I call the boxes. We'll be talking about that. I okay. hope that's helpful, Sally. Oh, yeah, Sally. I hope so, too. I That was pretty neat. Craig's eyes were just watering the whole time. You could tell he really believes what he teaches. It's pretty awesome. So, so are mine. <laughs> I know. When I laugh, that's just me covering my 
tears, my crying. I think most of us, I know myself and I think you, have had to go into our past and find that little girl, or in my case, a little boy, and rescue him and take care of him. And so it's very real to me, and it, it is affecting that you can do it. And you can fix all of those horrible things that happened early, from abuse to abandonment to uh, alone to things we go through. You can fix that, but you have to fix it. And you can do it by taking care of that little. And that's just one of a hundred things we're going to be talking in the future. Eventually, we're going to actually be talking to people on here that want to just visit here, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but that won't be for my We'll get some real people instead of, um, well, I'm a real person, but. Anyway. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.